Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 108. is up on this fine January 16th, 2022. I think we did one of these last this year, right? I think we did the last episode on the second or something. Guess we better check that. Oh no, look at that. It was December 31st when we last did an episode of the Web Chatham Report. Well, that is very exciting. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. My daughter is in the kitchen above me, banging on the the floor. There's snow on the ground. It's been snowing since about 4 a.m. It's about 1 p.m. now, so, you know, about nine hours of snow out there. It's cold. It feels very wintry. It's the second snow of the year, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Hope you had a lovely New Year's Eve. I didn't do much. I spent it on Zoom with some friends. For the second year in a row, which, you know, is kind of nice because I like those friends and they're like my favorite people and like I like to spend time with them. So I get to do it on Zoom. But, you know, I was having fun with New Year's down here before the pandemic, going to see my neighbors and stuff. And the neighbors invited us over. We didn't. We decided it wasn't worth like risking the Omicron thing. We were on the fence. But then when the, the, the you know... Sean and Jesse and them up in Boston were like, we're doing a Zoom. I was like, all right, yeah, I should talk to them. I don't get much chance to see them. So that was nice. Watched the Miley Cyrus New Year's special. Drank a bunch of champagne. That's not true. I don't remember. Didn't feel well the next day. And then, so that would have been, you know, what, Saturday? And then on Monday, I started my diet. Uh, I stabbed myself with a Wigovi injector, semaglutide. A drug, a weight loss drug, originally made for diabetes, but now people are using it for weight loss. Uh, to be clear, it was approved by the FDA for weight loss. I got a prescription last year. I've talked about it a couple times. You take a, it's a weekly injection into your leg or abdomen. I took the first one on Monday, uh, the third. So I'm now just shy of two weeks on it. It's pretty intense. The first couple days, uh, I had to radically, radically. You know, when I diet, I I don't eat less so much. I mean, I fast from dinner to breakfast 16 hours. But really, it's about like, you know, I don't eat bad foods, right? I don't eat cheese. I don't eat bread. I don't eat like fried foods. But uh, I tend to still eat a fair amount. But on this drug, it's such a massive appetite suppressant. It suppresses your appetite and makes you feel kind of ill when you eat too much. Um and it took a lot of adjusting. I knew I knew what I was getting into. And so I was eating less each day. It took about five days of eating continually less before I finally got down. Even today, even now, I mean, I just had lunch. I'm eating, my lunch is about the thir- a third of the size that it used to be. It's still very, you know, it was very healthy before. It's very healthy now. It's just a stir fry and olive oil, a bunch of vegetables and some chicken. But it's way, way smaller now. It's like a third the size. And I still feel pretty full. So, you know, I'm still... Uh, it's intense. Uh, I'm eating less than my wife and she weighs less than half as me. <laughs> uh, and when I eat, accidentally eat too much, I just feel like shit. I feel sick. The first couple of days I was like going to bed after lunch and just laying there moaning. 
But uh, I've gotten used to it. I was a little, you know, second injection. I'm doing taking the injections on Mondays because that's when I started. And the second injection, the second Monday was not as bad. So, you know, I guess your body adjusts. I talked to a friend of mine who's on and he says, you know, first week is a little rough. And then every time you step up the dosage, which you're supposed to do every month, but it looks like I'll be doing it not for three months. A uh, whole complication because my doctor has disappeared and whatever. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. It's really sad. I wrote for a prescription to get my step-up prescription in advance because this stuff is, like, really, really back-ordered and hard to get right now. And I have a three-month prescription, but, you know, after that, it could take at least that long to get it filled. And the office answered, and they're like, your doctor's not here anymore. And I'm like, where'd he go? And they wouldn't tell me. So they did fill the prescription, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, where was it? Yeah, so uh, I got used to it, and now it's been 13 days. Because it's Sunday, and I, I guess today's 14th day, and then tomorrow will be 15. Anyway, it's been two weeks, uh, and I've taken the injection twice. I will take it again tomorrow. I had to find a sharps container, figure out how to dispose of sharps in, in Chatham County. It turned out not to be that hard. Uh, and I've lost, uh, as of today, about 14 and a half pounds, so a little bit, averaging about a pound a day. I mean, it was a lot faster at the beginning. Uh, first two days, I lost like five or six pounds. It was crazy, but... um. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, 14 pounds in two weeks. I'll take it. Keep that up. Keep the pound a day average up. It should be good to go in another two months. <laughs> oh, geez. It's weird. I know, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man. Weight is a weird thing. Like, I look in, my, in the mirror clothes and I'm like, I don't look overweight, but I am very overweight. And I look at my abdomen and I'm like, I'm very overweight, but I kind of carry it well and I'm really big and it's like kind of weird. And it's like, well, I've never actually been... Last time I went on the diet, I think I was already doing the podcast. I lost like 65 pounds and I still was slightly overweight for my height and age. And I did not look it. And I don't know what to do about it. So I don't really know what my target is. Um, back down to that weight, pre-pandemic weight. Uh, not pre, post-big diet weight. By the time the pandemic had started, I probably already gained 20 pounds from my my low and then during the pandemic i gained like 40 i can gain 40 pounds and you can barely notice it's crazy anyway i'd like to get back down to my post big diet weight of 2018 or so that's what i'm going for but yeah the good thing about this stabber this drug is i'm just not hungry so it's just not that hard i just don't really want to eat even when i do eat i'm like i kind of regret it like I just had a very small bowl of stirred fried vegetables and I feel totally full and <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Anyway, yes, it is day. Ooh, what are we on now? 678 of this pandemic for me. And I'm still taking it very seriously in Omicron. None of us have gotten it, which is amazing, but not really because we don't go anywhere. Uh, I know other people to say they don't go anywhere they got it, so I don't know what's up with that. Maybe it'll just come to our house someday and knock on the door like the beginning of a serious man or something. But so far, so good. I have not been going anywhere. I have gone to the grocery store a couple times, and I'm still picking up my pizza, which I do not love doing. The stats in our county, are, or our state in our county, are insane. At the beginning of December, at the low point, when I went to New York, we were getting about 1,700 cases a day in North Carolina, and the positivity rate was 7%. On Friday, we got 40,000 new cases, and the positivity rate looked like it was pushing 40%, but they hadn't actually officially reported it yet. I should look today, but it's the weekend. Um, so, you know, just radically worse. We just, on Friday, crossed the all-time high number of hospitalizations from COVID through the whole pandemic. Higher than the Delta wave, higher than the original wave, higher than everything. Um, 
Which is very interesting because, yes, it is supposedly significantly less uh, bad, this wave, especially if you're vaccinated. But there's just so many people getting it that the hospitals are out of control. And, you know, one thing I really I don't like it when the hospitals are this crowded because, you know, remember, I tore my, pulled my groin muscle last year. Remember, I could barely walk. I really should have gone to urgent care, but I, I couldn't because of this pandemic. And, you know, when the hospitals are that overwhelmed, it's just dangerous for everybody because you can't really go to the hospital anymore. So not loving it, not loving it. Um Got a lot of FOMO. It seems to be subsiding in New York. So people in New York are doing things. I got a lot of friends are traveling. I, you know, I don't, I don't really judge. I can't really envision how I would handle this pandemic if I didn't have a unvaccinated child and a at-risk mother-in-law, and on the other side, a incredibly comfortable giant house in the country, and that is. Very, very, very fully, fully accommodating of everything we could really want, except a pool. But, you know, what are you going to do? So, you know, other people don't have those things. So I guess they got to move around more. I was already, I think I'd talked about this even before the pandemic. I was already kind of coming off of travel as a thing before the pandemic. Like travel has diminishing returns, I think. I, I, that is always a very controversial thing to say. People don't like it when I talk about how I don't really, I don't really dig travel anymore. And I do think that like, it's very different when you don't have a rewarding, calming, wonderful place to live that you find very comfy because then travel is a way to get into different head spaces and things like that. And, you know, to just refresh yourself that there's always power in changing your scene to refresh yourself. But there is, but travel as this relentless thing that we all have to do to go to other places is just kind of tedious to me at this point. It's kind of bored. Seeing your friends is fun. And since my friends don't live here, by definition, I have to travel to see my friends. I'd like to go somewhere I enjoy, like Boston. But if all my friends went to like a place and they're like, come to the place, I would go. You know, I get it, but I just don't like think it's as necessary. I think many types of travel are less necessary than people think. So, you know, <laughs> I'm old. I don't travel a lot anymore. Uh, I'm really glad I got to New York when I did. I, it turns out I still really love drinking in bars with friends. This is just my lot in life to be here for now. So I, I make the most of it and I mostly enjoy it. Um, yeah, what else? What else? Jane is well. She has been going through a tantrum phase, but it seems like we're almost on the other end of it. This morning and today, she she got control of herself several times. She took uh, constructive criticism when I asked her to stop just immediately saying no to everything I said. She's trying, you know? She's a good kid. She's trying. She's still not pooping on the potty. She's not had a single accident. She is fully potty trained with the pee, but the poop is just not happening. And I don't know what to do about that. We've kind of stopped trying. <laughs> My wife just texted me that we have generated zero solar power today. She's not sure we've ever seen that. I don't think that's possible. It's daylight. I mean, it's cloudy, but it's daylight. That's weird. I hope the system didn't break. This would be a bad time for the system to break. What with the freezing rain and all, at least there's no wind. I just looked in the app and it looks like it's okay. There's this whole thing with the Tesla Powerwalls. They have cellular. It's pretty cool. They had cellular uh, 2G to report cellular data old school. Uh, so you would get information from your Powerwalls, even when your power was out and your home network was out. But 
The federal government, of course, did a spectrum auction for 5G, and they're using the old 2G space, so all the, a lot of the cell carriers, presumably, apparently, whoever Tesla is using to communicate with their power walls is being disconnected, so the app is always nagging you to put in your uh, network password, and I keep doing it, and it keeps not working, so I don't know what's happening. Any day now, this whole thing is just going to break. I need to get like some people over here or something. It just kind of sucks. It's very stressful. It's very stressful. Oh, man. There's just always stuff. Some mouse crawled into our heat unit, HVAC unit, heating unit outside the, the, what do you call that? Heat sink unit that goes into the ground. We have one of those cool heat sink unit things and a mouse crawled into it and died and got electrocuted and shorted the whole thing out. So <laughs> entire basement heat wasn't working for a day or two right before a giant storm. And the, uh, the HVAC people came and repaired it on Friday in time for the storm, but they didn't have parts. So like the thing has its built-in backup, which it also failed because the mouse shorted that out too. And uh, the built-in backup is just electric heat instead of using, you know, the heat sink into the ground. So right now we're using 14 kilowatt hours, kilowatts of power. It's just fucking crazy. I don't know what's going on. I mean, yeah, it's out of control. It's really stressful. Anyway. Yeah. Where was I? Jane. Jane's doing good. Uh, yeah, that's all I got with her. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, I haven't given an update on this in ages, but I am still not taking any nicotine. It's been like four months now, which is crazy. I, it was a big thing when I started and I got, you know, I got hooked on these mints here, these icebreaker mints. And, uh, I just switched from nicotine lozenges to mints. I, I wrote about this a little bit the other day in my good morning. Hello. How are you? Email post. And everybody's like, congrats on quitting smoking. It's like, oh, dude, I haven't smoked in like years, decade. But I've been on nicotine the whole time, vaping and then lozenges. But now I'm off nicotine. First time in like 25, 26, 30 years almost. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, uh, I should be more proud of that. It was hard and it's done. And uh, yeah, if I could do that, I haven't been drinking much. I drank on a couple Zooms early in the year, but you know, I haven't had a drink in like 12 days. 13 days, 14 days, 15 days. And, uh, you know, it used to be that dry January was so hard for me. Health month was so hard for me. Not smoking was inconceivable. Um, and now it's all working. Okay. So if I get I'm, I'm gonna, maybe I can have like a nice elderly life. You know what I mean? There's like two paths when you get older, you can be like a healthy older person or you can be an unhealthy older person. And like, my uncle's a really healthy older person and like, it's really fun. You know, he's like almost 80. And I said, well, I was up in Alaska last year, this year, last year now. Yeah. Last year he was like working on my, my, my sister's house, you know, climbing along in the rafters and hammering. And like, I'm like, I want to be that kind of old person. I want to be like not overweight. I want to be fit. I mean, you know, I got this arthritis in my hands. Somebody just told me by the way, that gin raisins are a thing for arthritis. That seems amazing. I got to check out gin raisins. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, it's all going pretty well. Work is good. It's a little bit of a bummer because it's like the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, January is always really low revenue because, uh, you know, after the Christmas holiday, advertising just gets lower in January. And so all our revenue, we made more this year than we made last year, which was cool. So, you know, we're, we're up from last year on the revenue front, but, you know, it's still lower. So that's always a little stressful. Now there's been like more. Um, 
how would you call it? Consolidation in the industry that's a little bit stressful. Some of our competitors getting bought, some of our clients getting bought. That stuff always stresses me way out, even when they tell you, like, it's all good. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, it just stresses me out. Uh, but things are going fine. Things are going fine. So, you know, not too not too much of a problem in my life, my 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 work day job. Uh, and then the projects, uh, I just, I haven't been able to do many projects. Well, I mean, so, you know, I finished all the year end tasks that I laid out for you guys in the last episode. I, you know, I did all the like filing of f digital filing and, and, and analog filing and I organized stuff and I did all that stuff. That was, that was fun. I got it all done before the holiday was over. Um, yeah, so that was good. I was very proud of myself. I got like all my photos f filed. All the files in the big folder called to sort on my desktop. I got my paper files sorted. I, I got like my if I die document updated for my wife. Passwords updated, all that stuff. Everything to the storage unit. Got the journals laid out and printed. Put them into a book. Got that put on the shelf. Uh, yeah, so I got all that done. That was good. So I was I was keeping busy up through the the third when I went back to work. I got. The edit done for Lisa for the Good Morning Hello How Are You book. Uh, she told me the other day she should have it back to me on the 18th, which is, wow, that's in two days. I've been doing some work on the cover, but I haven't got very far on the cover. Um, I did some quick mock-ups of a bunch of different versions and had people vote on them, and I got three or four favorites. I'll probably do one more round of voting and then hand it over to my wife to actually design the cover because I just can't design anything anymore. I've lost that ability. But, uh, so that's that, you know, I, that could conceivably be off to the printers, but by the end of the month, um, when the edit comes back, it's going to be a pain because she's doing handwritten annotations on a PDF. So I will have to go into the manuscript and manually make all those changes. So that's going to take a week or something, which is one of the reasons I haven't started another project. Um, cause I know it'll be hard to finish this one. So that's just what we're waiting for. Yeah. So that's really about everything that's going on in life. Uh, I was saying to Emma the other day, I was like, you know, about a year ago, I mean, you know, I would I write my good morning, hello, are you, how are you post in the morning? And I would talk about how every day is the same. But the fact that every day was the same was interesting because it was new that every day was the same. Maybe not a year ago now. <laughs> but, you know, at one point in the pandemic, the fact that every day was the same was in and of itself a new interesting thing. But now not only is every day the same. Every day is the same, and it's not interesting that every day is the same, because every day has been the same for, like, 500 fucking days. So you just kind of forget about it, you know? Like, uh, it's like a closing of an Overton window of experience and possibility in your life. I try to keep interested, and I talk to friends, and I work on stuff, and, uh, you know, I got a project, a side project going with a bunch of friends, and I've been doing my part on that, and... You know, I, I, it's not like it's boring. I, I, I have things going on in life, but I do not go anywhere. And the days are fairly scripted. Each day has some unique thing about it. Jane is very interested in that right now. She's like, what day is it? I'm like, it's Tuesday. She's like, okay, so that means it's Taco Tuesday. And that's the day the groceries come. I'm like, that's right. That's what happens on Tuesdays. So we're all like, oh, that'll be fun. Tuesday's got like a whole wrinkle to it. On Saturdays, you got to order the groceries. On Thursdays, you take the recycling to the recycling center, which is, uh, I took Jane with me this week. That was very fun. She had a great time. Didn't leave the car. There was no one there. It's outdoors. Very safe. But, you know, so... Every day is slightly different, but the whole routine has just been the same for so long now. It's just crazy. And I, yeah, I had the holidays 
that was like two weeks of getting to do whatever I wanted and different stuff. And then that was really fun. And then back to the routine when I started to work again. And I think I was a little depressed about it when I first got back to work, not because of work, but I was like, I, I, I liked it when, when I didn't have the work component of the routine because I could do different things in that segment of the day. Like some days I would just wouldn't go to the computer and I would do some cleaning or I do a chore. We did a whole like computer rearranging in the house. Cause Emma got, I got Emma the new M one max MacBook pro. And so they're like her old computer, which is this really shit hot 18 core iMac pro is now in the library. And we moved all the computers around and, you know, trickle down computers. And then the ones at the bottom, I would wipe them and sell them. And that's all like been going great. So it was like fun. I was doing stuff like that. I, I, I reworked the workbench. I was doing different things. And then when work starts again, it's like, I have to sit at this desk at this computer for eight hours a day. And that's just rough. And I don't enjoy it. It's too much time sitting in front of a computer, which I used to do for 15 hours a day, every day for a decade. But now I'm just like, nope, that's too much. I don't like it anymore. So, yeah. But I mean, generally things are pleasant. I could do this for, you know, another year if I had to. I don't think I will. Worst case scenario is October when Jane turns five and we can finally give her the fucking vaccine because God knows when they're going to actually make one for children under five. It's ridiculous. Pisses me off. But I think by this spring, summer, things should be better. Once this Omicron wave chills out, maybe I'll go back to Boston at that point and see some friends up there I miss. Anyway, let's do the meter report. So a thing that did happen is that my old friend, Ian Westcott, old barbarian IT guy, then I worked with him again at Percolate, and he did the original network setup at the Secret Clubhouse, um, lives in Providence now, works for, I think, the MBTA, some real thing, public transit thing. And uh, he found recently a copy of the Barbarian Media Server. Now, the Barbarian Media Server is not like barbarian work it's nothing ip'd it's nothing that like i was supposed to give back to them on the sale or anything like that it's just the server we had where the different employees uploaded media songs movies tv stuff like that and uh so i mailed him a four terabyte hard drive and he made me a whole copy of the server and he sent it to me and uh i made a tar ball compressed tar ball of it and threw it up on my plex in the deep storage archive and it got archived to my back blade, so I'll have it forever and I'll take this hard drive and I'll put it in the storage unit but another thing I did is I went through it on the movie folder and sorted it by size so I was only looking at things that were 720p or better because it's old like it's at least 10 years old this barbarian service so people weren't passing around 1080p or 4k files back then but there's a lot of interesting movies a lot of them were like okay this is on you know Netflix or I can get this at 4k now there's no point but there's a lot of documentaries and stuff that were pretty interesting so I say all this because I just finished this up this morning but I added like 40 things to Plex this week <laughs> it is very heavy on the documentary but um and you know I won't talk too much about each one of them but if you are on my Plex server uh, and there were some problems with that but they seem to be mostly fixed that was another thing that happened this over the holidays there's a giant pain in the ass I did a firmware update on the QNAP and it broke Plex and I had to figure out why and finally I got that fixed. But anyway, it's all back and up and running. But in getting up and running, some people lost their logins. So let me know if you need your login again. But it, uh, yeah, I added, okay, so Bottle Shock, which is some wine movie. Lemmy, a documentary about Lemmy from Motorhead. American, the Bill Hicks story. True Grit, 
uh, the Ruddles movie and <laughs> Down by Law. <laughs> what a fantastic movie. Victory Through Air Power, the Disney movie about <laughs> World War II air power. Darby O'Gill and the Little People, the Disney film. Uh, End of the Century, the story of the Ramones. Exit Through the Gift Shop, the Rolling Stones, Cocksucker Blues. Stanley Kubrick documentary, A Life in Pictures. The Shane McGowan documentary, If I Should Fall from Grace. A documentary about the Deep Throat movie, Inside Deep Throat. The Other Side of the Mirror, Bob Dylan at the Newport Folk Festival, 1991, The Year Punk Broke. That was a great movie. Jonestown, Life and Death and the People's Cult. That was an intense movie. I actually saw that one in the theater when it came out. My God. Drugs Are Nice, a succumentary, a documentary about Lisa Carver, the woman who is editing the Good Morning, Hello, How Are You book. Uh, Joe Strummer, documentary, The Future is Unwritten, Urbanized, some book about urbanization, or some documentary about urbanization. The Trekkies documentary, which is just fantastic. Indie Game, the movie, which is a documentary about indie games. Haven't watched that one. I'm going to. Objectified, which is a design, I think like a industrial design documentary. That looks really interesting. I want to watch that. I Like Killing Flies, which is a documentary about the amazing restaurant in New York, Shopsins. Uh, added a bunch of television shows, Wonder Shows, and both versions of The Prisoner, The Mighty Boosh, The Kingdom, The Danish Version, Pee Wee's Playhouse, News Radio, Max Headroom, BBS, the documentary, a five-part series about BBSs, and uh, the Vim Vendors film, Lisbon Story. That's not actually all of them. One second. Right. And before I did the TBG media server upload, uh, Vim Vendors movie Lisbon story was me doing Vim vendors movies. I've also been working on getting all the other Vim vendors films up onto the server. So in addition to Lisbon story, I got don't come knocking and notebook on cities and clothes. Both from Vim vendors are up on the Plex server as well as is a documentary about Danielle Johnston called the devil and Danielle Johnson, which we'll talk about a bit because I watched that and a premonition, a Sandra Bullock film about people that can see into the future that I have no idea why I put into my Netflix queue. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll probably watch that this week. So all that is up on the Plex. It's a lot, Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was fun to go through all that. Took a trip down memory lane with the TBG media server on Discogs. I sold two things this week. Sold his name is a live CD, Detrola, and uh, the, the Soul Mining. I own that on vinyl already. I own the nice box set edition. Big fan. I actually just got a t-shirt in the mail from the, the. I ordered it from him, from Matt Johnson himself. A new the, the t-shirt. Very happy about that. I uh, got a bunch of vinyl this week. Um, one reason I got a bunch of vinyl is I bought the Jag Jaguar 25th anniversary package, which came four pieces of vinyl. I've listened to two of them so far. The Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Uh... They have an EP of four covers of Jag Jaguar artists. It's called This is a Mindfulness Drill. I just listened to that this morning. It was fantastic. Very mellow, mellow brass with vocals. It was great. Strong recommendation. Various artists doing uh, called Join the Ritual, Jag Jaguar 25th Anniversary. That is artists on Jag Jaguar now doing covers of bands that influence them and the label. So one of the great ones on there is Bruce Hornsby doing Feel the Pain by Dinosaur Jr. Jamila Woods doing Fast Car. There's just some great stuff on there. So that was really great. Listen to that this morning as well. And two I haven't listened to yet are Ross Gay, who is a poet, and it's called Dilate Your Heart. And I think it's Jag Jaguar artist doing music underneath his poetry, but I haven't listened to it yet. And another various artist, Sentimental Noise, which I think is people covering each other on Jag Jaguar. I'm not Jag Jaguar. I'm not sure about that one. But yeah, all that came. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, also got, let's see. Oh yeah. So 
So I look at my Discogs want list every morning, sorted by cheapest, and a copy of a record I wanted came up for sale for six bucks. I was very excited. It is by Marine Research. Marine Research is Amelia Fletcher from Heavenly's band after Heavenly. Uh, I saw Marine Research in Boston with Augstone. It was great. Uh, the album was called Sounds from the Gulf Stream. I like it very much. I was happy to finally get a copy. I had it on CD that I bought back in the 90s in Boston, but I wanted it on vinyl. And uh, so the guy that sent it to me was one of those guys that like packs his record with other records. It's always weird when they do this. And they're always like loungy 70s beat up copies of loungy 70s tiki records and stuff like that but they're like not worth nothing and they're always interesting to listen to and these two are in pretty good shape i would rate them as uh, vg or maybe good maybe very good definitely not vg plus the sleeves the vinyl both were vg plus very good very good uh one was on day so i listened to them and i archived them and i'm keeping them <laughs> even though it's just packing material to them but i like them uh andre castellanitz it was called the lure of paradise and ray kinney and his coral islanders and that album was called hawaii so i listened to both good tiki hawaii tahiti south pacific kind of music uh, I got a copy of Mogwai's Hawk is Howling on vinyl, which I did not own, so I gave that a new listen. The new Vinyl Me Please record of the month was the second Sigur Ross album, Agetis Brynjian. Never know how to pronounce uh, Sigur Ross albums. The one with the song that everybody knows by them. The ding. It's you. <laughs> I'm just going to sing Sigur Ross. Yeah, right. I saw like three shows on that tour. It was so fucking awesome. I loved them so much live back then. I was obsessed. And uh, this is just a really great double vinyl copy on blue vinyl, translucent. And it's a great pressing. I'm very excited about it. Uh, and then Moose. <laughs> I think I'm the only Moose fan in the world. Moose was like a sort of shoegazy band from England in the early 90s. I really liked them. I especially like the song called This River Never Will Run Dry. This river never will run dry. Uh, it is not on Spotify, but a remix of that song called The The River or something like that is up on Spotify. It's close enough. You'll get the idea. But uh, anyway, I own this uh, EP of theirs, Reprise. I owned it on CD since back then in the 90s. I saw them open for the Cocteau Twins at the Orpheum in Boston. I was the only I already knew Moose. I was like a Moose fan. <laughs> I sat in the second row and watched Moose at the Orpheum as most people were trickling in. <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I got that EP on vinyl. I've owned the CD forever, but I got the EP on vinyl for like four bucks, and I'm very happy to own that. Uh, Jezu, Justin Broderick from Godflesh's sort of metal dub shoegaze band. You know, it's funny. Jezu's been around for a while, and they defied categorization, but at this point, bands like Def Haven are just doing Jezu. It's sort of like where grinding metal eats shoegaze, meets shoegaze is now becoming a thing that lots of them are doing, but for the longest time, Jezu owned that category to themselves, and this, this split album, Jezu with Alluvium, was really like the sort of like arch typical like uh, mold from which many of these bands were were taken you know and i've always loved this record but i never owned it so i finally got that on vinyl and i got a bowery electric 12 inch bowery electric man drone band from the mid 90s from denton texas uh, lawrence schwindler martha i can't remember martha's last name martha schwindler no wait lawrence chandler Martha Schwindler and Wayne Magruder was the original drummer. And then uh, this woman, I think her name was Jess. She was the drummer for Din Some Clip Job. 
William Magruder went on to join to found Kala and was in an amazing band called the Factory Press. I think I've talked about these guys before. Anyway, Bowery Electric, loved them a ton. They did a bunch of the Cindy Talk tour with us in 1996. I was friends with Lawrence for, for a while back then. And I own all their albums, but one thing I never owned was the 12-inch for Freedom Fighter. And uh, I finally found that cheap copy on that and my sorting discogs want list by cheapest. It was like five bucks. And so that was really exciting. Got that. Uh, the main single from their third album. I don't own their first album on vinyl still, and it's Cranky hasn't re-released it, and it's like $130 on Discogs for a copy, and it bums me out. And only the second two, it's the second one and the third one on vinyl. Cranky reissued Beat and Lush Life, but they have not reissued Bowery Electric, the first album. And God, they were so good live back then. Just this wall of sound. I saw them so many times. Probably saw them about 20 times. I just loved them. Hey, I think the... Uh, cool yeah anyway um so freedom fighter the 12 inch from bowery electric is up there just listen to it this morning three remixes really cool the remixes were great also it's a weird record that has one side at 45 rpm the other one at 33 rpm yeah uh let's see so what else did i listen to this last two weeks dade d-e-h-d might be dead flower of devotion i really like one song by this band called money and i just like their sound and then the flower of devotion has a remix album which i also listened to flower of devotion devotion remixed and one of those songs i don't remember which one just like made a remix around one of the lead singer woman's vocal tracks and listening to the isolated vocal track i was just like that woman is a phenomenal vocalist and i'd never heard of her so i went up to discogs i looked at her name and it turned out she had another band called la 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 and so i listened to them emily kempf is her name and I listened to their album called I Want the Door to Open. And it was very different from Dead. Dead is like a like a loud rock band mostly. I mean, they're more interesting than that, but they're a rock band. And then Dead is like, La 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 is like mellow and weird and interesting. And uh, it was great. Yeah, Emily Kempf, man. She's got just an amazing voice. Just I think they're all from Chicago. Don't remember how I got into Dade slash Dead to begin with. But uh, yeah, they're great. Polyrock I listened to. It's a cool old new wave thing from the 80s. I found them just by letting... I. I accidentally let Spotify suggest things to me and they actually suggested something good. And it was the album's called changing hearts and it's like eighties new wave and it's cold and kind of weird and cool. I just really like it. Poly rock, uh, jungle loving in stereo. Uh, I learned about this band from my friend, Jeff Sullivan. He did a mix at the end of the year. He's done. They've been doing these for 20 years. He used to send give them to us on CDs and stuff like that. This one, he just put on Spotify and mentioned it on Facebook, but I listened to the whole mix and it was great, but there's this band jungle. I didn't really know anything about them. They reminded me of this band in San Francisco that everybody loved back in the day called wallpaper. Uh, but it turns out jungles like two guys. It's mainly a, like a producer project. They're from shepherd's bush area of London. And, uh, yeah, I liked them a lot. Bill Callahan and Bonnie Prince Billy have been doing covers all last year, and they compiled them into an album called Blind Date Party. It's like those two make a cover with a different collaborator on each cover. And uh, some of it's amazing. The one I really love is their Knights of Santiago by Leonard Cohen, covering Leonard Cohen. I just think that one's beautiful. Uh, Nils Fromms has a, I think it's old stuff, but it finally re-released or finally released. It's called Old Friends, New Friends. Maybe it's old stuff, new work then way way mellow and ambient and sparse very pretty and i really liked it um but it is very very minimalist i got really into late period stereo lab i had heard all of those albums once except for chemical chords i had never listened to that album at all so i listened to that one finally and it was awesome late period stereo lab is awesome i really loved early period stereo lab of course i'm a bunch back in the day that was one of the last show i was supposed to see in 
it was around the beginning of the pandemic, but then like she, one of the members died and then they postponed it and then the pandemic happened. So I don't, you never got to see him again. I really regret that, but I used to go see him all the time. Super electric for 20 minutes. Oh, so good. But, uh, chemical chords was a great record. And, uh, you know, they still sound like stereo lab, which is, I think why I stopped listening to him. I was like, oh, every album sounds the same, but you know, after 20 years, you're like, Oh, this sounds awesome. <laughs> Uh, Minio Crusaders, Echoes of Japan. Oh, yeah, this is from my friend Adam Bouchard. He said the stuff on this one label is the best stuff he's been, best new stuff he's been hearing lately. And so I looked at the label and it was all on Bandcamp. And I just picked one called Minio Crusaders. And the album is called Echoes of Japan. And it was really awesome. It's sort of like weird Japanese music, Japanese music done in the style of other nationalities. Like there's Japanese Latin music and Japanese salsa. And it's pretty awesome. Uh, Leo Nocentrelli. Leo Nocentrelli. One of the main guys, the guitarist in the meters. I've known of the meters and like them fine. I'm not a huge meters fan. But Flower in the Attic Records posted that they were listening to Leo Nocentrelli. And I didn't know the names. So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it's a guy from the meters. I was like, oh, he has a solo album. And they're like, you should really listen to this. And I, I, there's not a lot of new music coming out right now. So I was like, I will listen to it. Uh, and it's awesome. It's actually not super funky like the meters. It's like got more soul and more like uh, folk. It's like a solo album. It's, it's beautiful. And it's got like a cover of Elton John's your song at the ending of it. Apparently this album was lost for like 30 years and it was found in a storage unit and they finally got released never got released before. So it just came, it was recorded in the seventies, but it just came out last year, another side. And it's, it's beautiful. I strongly recommend it. Turnstile, Glow On. Somebody else said this is their favorite album of the year, and I gave it a listen, and it's pretty awesome. It's like instrumental rock. It kind of reminds me of, what was that band? Not The Darkness. There was a band. Oh, 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 Black uh, Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Mother. <laughs> wolf Mother, remember them? Like kind of cool rock, but not a lot of lyrics. And anyway, Turnstile reminded me of Wolf Mother a little bit. Tash Sultana, Terra Firma. I was looking at the Bonnaroo lineup, and I was like, I've already seen the name Tash Sultana. I don't know who they are. So I listened to it. She's like a soul, not like soul, but like a funky Australian guitarist. Album's pretty cool. Not really my style, but I really liked it. Uh, Cat Power's got a new album of covers. It's her third album of covers. It is called Covers. I don't know what the first two albums of covers are called. I really, really hope they're also both called covers. That would be great. Uh, very radical reworkings of songs. A lot of them I didn't know. Some of them I do. A nice version of These Days, the Nico song. Not originally by Nico, but she made it famous. Uh, I Had a Dream Joe by Nick Cave. Radical reinterpretation. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm kind of like, I was mad at Cat Power for about a decade for canceling so many shows and being so bad live. And you still couldn't get me to go see her live. But I like the covers album and it was really good. And she's got a great voice and I don't mind listening to her anymore. Once again. Uh, and then Best Coast, a friend of mine recommended this to me. And I just finished it up this morning. Always Tomorrow, new Best Coast album. I didn't love, never loved Best Coast. I saw them live and I thought they were kind of boring. But they're better on the album and I did enjoy this album. Um... Yeah, they're kind of like hard. They're hard to describe because they're just sort of like sound like a lot of other people, I guess. But they're good. I don't know. B. B minus B. That's how I feel about them. Television. Uh, we finished the Great British Baking Show. I thought it was a great season. A lot of people were complaining about this season. I want to go back and look and see why now. Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, there was surprises at the end. It was very exciting. Star Trek Discovery, we're in the mid-season break right now of the fourth season. I am not enjoying it at all. 
I have to watch it because it's Star Trek, and I watch all the Star Trek, and I wrote a fucking book about it, so I feel obliged, but, ugh, this is not a good season. The Discovery's always had some problems, but the plots have been so interesting that it has offset the problems, especially in seasons two and three, which were masterful. Season four is not masterful, and the plot problems are exacerbating the character problems and the, like, overwrought dialogue problems in the, like, ugh, I don't know, it's just... It's enter- it's interesting enough to keep me watching, but I'm not enjoying it. And we are at a mid-season break, so maybe it'll get better. I don't know. I don't know. We are slowly working our way through the last season of Rick and Morty. We watch them occasionally when we have like 30 minutes before bedtime after some shows have ended quickly. And they're fun. Rick and Morty's fun. I think I said this last time, didn't I? If you uh, ignore all the people on both sides, all the fans and the people that hate them and just watch Rick and Morty, it's actually a good show. Yeah. Uh, watching the Book of Boba Fett. I think there have been three episodes now, and it's all right. It's not as good as a Mandalorian. Uh, you kind of wonder where they're going with it, but I will reserve judgment once it's done. I really like the flashback stuff. We watched the last season of The Witcher, which we have enjoyed immensely. I We had no recollection of what was happening in that show from before. <laughs> I just did not remember anything. It was super confusing. I would have to read a recap after each episode, and yet at the same time, we kind of loved it. It's so cheesy. But Henry Cavill is so good, and the cast is generally really solid, and it's bombastic and weird and unlike anything else on TV, and not good, but also good, and uh, I like it, and it was a good time, and now I'm kind of sad we won't get to watch it again for like another year. Uh, And now we're finishing the most recent season of Succession, which everybody loved, and I do get why they love it, and Jeremy Strong really is a remarkable actor, and I like many of the side characters. I was very excited to see Eric Northman, the vampire, make an appearance in Adrian Brody, and uh, I really like the woman playing the PR woman. She's really good, but I just can't stand the characters, and it's very cringy, and it's very hard to watch something where every main character is loathsome, and it is really funny, but it's so unrealistic. It's I don't view it, it. It goes too far to even be a proper parody. I don't know, man. There's something about it that like I don't like profoundly, even though I do like a lot about it. I just kind of wonder what its purpose is. And I really wonder if like people watch it and they don't feel cringe or angst or like frustration. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. No show on TV makes me so aware that it's a written fictional show and that none of the people on the show act like actual human beings. And I know that's supposedly the point, but I've hung out with enough rich people, even the loathsome rich people, to know that's not how most of them act. Uh, Logan's pretty dead on, but the children are mostly all wrong. And so, like, which is fine, I guess, you know, that's what we do. I mean, it's not like Veep, that's how people are, and you know, that's what parodies are, right? But I just, something about it, I just... I'm I'm engaged. I can't turn away, and I think there's a lot good about it. And I under it's very intensely impressive, but it's also just loathsome and and horrible. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, we we'll finish it tonight. We got two more episodes. So thank God that'll be done. Hopefully, I don't have to think about succession. I don't really see how it can keep going on either. They need to just finish one way or the other. So we'll see. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of movies. I watched go. We watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was good. Like, I have some issues with it, but it was good and it had a lot of heart. I definitely think the whole movie exists as a rebuke to the Lady Ghostbusters, which pisses me off because the Lady Ghostbusters was very funny and better and 
far closer to the original spirit of Ghostbusters than this film was. Uh, Ghostbusters was never supposed to be Spielbergian. It's a comedy. And this one has a little bit of comedic elements in it, but it's not really that. And then it's like so much fan service, a lot of which I love and felt, but also I'm just like, really? And then like three different endings, lining up three different sequels. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. Uh, but there was enough heart and emotion and the acting is brilliant. That woman, uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie something, Grace, McKenna Grace, Grace McKenna. Something like that. <laughs> the lead was just amazing. She was great. She's really good. So, you know, worth watching. Uh, I watched Devil and Daniel Johnston, a documentary about Daniel Johnston. Wow, that man was far more mentally ill than I realized. I'd seen him live a couple times through the years. I knew he was suffering from mental illness. I knew the basics of his story, but I did not know how out there the story was. I did not know that he had thrown the keys out of a plane that him and his father were flying and his father had to crash the plane into trees so that they didn't die. Didn't know about that. Didn't know about his multiple assault convictions. Didn't know about that. It was pretty intense. It was a real harrowing documentary about mental illness. At first when it started, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to listen to all Daniel Johnson's old music. This will be super fun. By the end, I was like, no, I don't want to listen to any of this. This is really upsetting. So yeah, watch at risk, watch at your own risk. And then I did finally consent to watch that Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts thing. I did not want to watch it because I'm so mad at JK Rowling. And I had been warned in our New Year's Zoom by a friend that she wasn't it, but it was archive footage. And she was three times in archive footage and it did not add anything. And they made a note of putting at the top that it was archive footage. And I was like, you just should have just not done that. You've successfully pissed both sides off now. Like you're clearly not putting her in it because of her problematic statements. So just go all in on that and don't have her like nothing. She said in those three quotes couldn't have been said by other people. And it was also just like, and everybody else was like talking about her too much. And, and like, I felt really bad. Like Robbie Coltrane and, and Emma Watson were both like, people are going to be watching and living these movies for decades. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think she's killing off the legacy. Honestly, if you want the truth of it, I don't think these movies are going to last 50 years. And like, I, you know, I really feel for the kids, especially because it was their whole childhood was making these films and she's just ruined it. I'd be fucking rip shit if I was Daniel Radcliffe or Emma Watson or Rupert or any of them, you know? Um, but it was nice to look at all the sets, except for I assume the sets are up because they're making the Dumbledore movie. And I don't really, I really, I'm pissed about the Dumbledore movie because she works on it. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of complicated mixed feelings about Harry Potter. And then on the book front, I read three books in this trilogy since I last talked to you. My friend Jenna recommended to me. The first one is called Red Rising. The second one is called Golden Sun. The third one is called Morning Star. They are by Pierce Brown. They are about Mars. They are sci-fi. The first one's got kind of like a Hunger Games meets Battle Royale meets like... Uh... <laughs> red dawn kind of thing to it but then they get darker and more violent and more adult and uh i couldn't put them down and it was ruining my life for like 12 days i was just reading these books during work hours at night when i was watching jane on the potty it was insane and i was like going crazy and there's a two more books but it's in trilogy form the first three make a trilogy and then there's a second trilogy that he's working on now only two of them are out and there's a 10-year gap in the story between them so i was like i have to stop I swear to God, they're making me, they're making me crazy, making me crazy. They're very good. I think, I don't know. I fucking needed to know what happened at every minute. They're written, like all the chapters are like 10 minutes long and end on cliffhangers, you know, like old fifties adventure books. So like 
it's impossible to go to sleep when you're reading them in bed. So you're like, oh, I can just do another chapter. It's only 10 more minutes. And then all of a sudden it's an hour past when you're supposed to go to sleep. And you're just like, ah, oh, fuck, I've ruined the whole next day because of this book. So after two weeks, I was just so miserable in the rest of my life. <laughs> I had to stop. So I finished those. And then I started reading a nonfiction book, The Great Indoors, The Surprising Science of How Buildings Shape Us, How Buildings Shape Our Behavior, excuse me, by Emily Enthes. I saw a quote about this book in passing, like early in the pandemic when we were starting, mid, mid pandemic, when we were starting to really start thinking about ventilation. And uh, it looked interesting and I threw it into my, I bought it because it was cheap and I, you know, it was on my Kindle and I forgot about it. But when I finished these books, I was like, I want a short nonfiction book. And so I found it on the Kindle. I was like, oh yeah, I'll read this. And I thought it was going to be about like homes and ventilation. I don't know why. I don't remember what the quote I saw back when I bought the book was, but in my head, this whole book was about homes. And the first chapter or two, it really was interesting. is about homes and bacteria and fungus in her house and stuff like that. But then, you know, like the second chapter was office buildings. Third chapter was hospitals. Fourth chapter was schools. Fifth chapter was prisons. I think I'm missing one, but you know, it's all these different things. And there's a whole depressing thing about solitary confinement that just got me all upset. Um, and it's all very interesting, but it's not what I thought I was going to be reading about. So I don't know. It, I, I'm almost done. I'm, I got like two more chapters in this book and I'll finish it. Uh, and I don't regret reading it because it was all very educational, but I wanted it to be more about your home environment. So not that I want it. I was expecting it. So, yeah, I don't know. But it is interesting. The, the part in schools was interesting. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about it when I'm done with it next week. That's about it for this 108th episode of the Web Chatham Report. I hope you're having a lovely new year. Thank you so much for listening. Please drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. And I will talk to you guys in about two weeks. Right? Does that sound like a good idea? Jane says that all the time. Does that sound like a good idea? Yes. Yes, it does, Jane. Take care. Talk soon.